Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Beardy and the Geek. My name is Emma Takuna and with me as always is the geek himself, Ryan. Good evening, or good afternoon, or good morning, whenever you're listening to this. We are going to be talking about one or two books from Australian creators that have caught our eye recently. But, uh, yeah, have a little mini review show. We are indeed, but before we jump into things, I'd like to just take a moment and congratulate Emmett on becoming an official Australian. Ah. <laughs> He's actually one of us, which, you know, yeah, may be a good thing, may be a bad thing. But uh, I would like to say congratulations and Thanks. welcome, finally, I'll try and cut down on the Irish jokes. <laughs> Thank you very much. Australian resident as of last week, I believe. And yeah, so the next stage is citizenship. Now that's, that's the big debate. Do you give up your original passport or you just throw it away, you know, just fall, show in your lot with the new, new bunch or do you, uh, try and have a dual citizenship? That's the next question. Well, it all just depends on who gets stopped at the border most. <laughs> Yes, well, that that would maybe help me make my decision. Mm. Indeed. Mm. So thank you, thanks, Ryan. Cheers for that. I didn't didn't expect that. But um, tonight we're going to be talking about Tom Taylor's new Star Wars series because he's done a few now. Uh, yes. Darth Maul: Death Sentence. And following that, uh, you're going to talk about Jason Franks's Six Smiths. I am from uh, J. Mark Schmidt and Jason Franks's Six Smiths. Correct. Six Smiths. Yeah, that's really not not yeah. helpful. Mm. But to start off, Star Wars, uh, another Dark Horse uh, book. Uh, Tom Taylor on script and Bruno Redondo on art duties. Tom Taylor has just completed his series on Boba Fett, I believe. Uh, yeah, now he's got to the next most recognizable Star Wars antagonist, Darth Maul. And it's a real tragedy, if you think about it, because... When The Phantom Menace came out, months before it came out, all we had was that trailer. And Darth Maul is this presence in the trailer, this threatening figure. He looks like a emaciated evil clown, you know, and just really is this creature of fear. And then for him to be dispatched so unceremoniously, and, and that's it, he's gone. Jewel of the Fates doesn't, doesn't really solve the problem of the film, which is that you've introduced an antagonist and dispatched him within... 15 minutes of screen time. So Let, let's face it though, that's not the only fault with the film. No, 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 of many, but I'm concentrating on more. <laughs> I think he is he is such he was such a worthy successor to the intimidating figure of Darth Vader. And you had I remember years ago watching Spaced a British cult TV series based with mm-hmm. famous Simon Pegg and Jessica Stevenson and Nick Frost and a few other folks. But uh, Peter Serafinovich is also in it, and he's a very talented mimic, very talented voice actor. And in Spaced, they talked about how he had got the role of providing the voice of Darth Maul. And not only did most of his lines get cut, I believe. Um, when the film came out and they all went along to see it, he realized how terrible it was. He felt awful because he had been so excited to see the movie he was in, Star Wars movie he was in, and then for it to be rubbish. Oh. So to have the voice of Darth Maul disown the film itself was, mm-hmm. must be quite a, quite a blow. But Taylor has taken this character and he has come up with a very inventive way of resurrecting him and sent him off on a whole new storyline, not directly impacting on Anakin Skywalker or the plot of the uh, 
prequels themselves, and I have to say, based on this very first issue, it's 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 quite good. It's it's off to a very good start. It really is. I mean, it's a uh, what it is um, for those who aren't aware. Uh, the TV series, The Clone Wars, um, at the end of season three, um, we're introduced to Darth Maul's brother. Savage Oppress. Correct. I mean, oh, dear. great naming convention. Just <laughs> take two negative words, put them together, and, and you've got a name. Um, now, it's just a follow-up to the end of that, where we have Savage Oppress, and then we're introduced to Darth Maul, who has been made whole once again. Overall, this really is a fantastic book. Now, I'm a Star Wars nerd, so... Um, Take that, you know, with, with whatever sort of weight you want. But massive Star Wars fan, massive Darth Maul fan, everything that you said before, he's a fantastic villain. Mm. I mean, I remember buying the action figures when the movie came out. Actually, before the movie came out, I was buying the action figures, and Darth Maul was the one that you wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's just... he's He is iconic. Mm. You know, and unfortunately, visually iconic just doesn't counteract the the time that he spent on screen and it's a real pity but the good thing is tom taylor has him back and he's as badass as ever there are some moments in this book that i thought were um hilarious a little few little highlights for me i love in the very first panel of the issue the very first you've got this what looks like a 1950s diner on an alien world. Once again, a lovely little reference to George Lucas's obsession with fast cars and 50s culture and 50s pop culture that he's employed in his Star Wars fantasy. And I love that you've got this little cheerful Jedi kid, which I thought was a reference to uh, how out of place Jake Lloyd's enthusiasm was in The Phantom Menace. He's got this yeah, hor- yeah. all these horrible things happening, and he's got this little kid in a fighter jet, you know, blowing up the enemies like it's a video game. It's completely out of place. Mm. But this this kid hopefully won't be as annoying. I thought it was a nice little reference. But the line the kid has is, his legs were completely not attached to his body. And the reply comes, I doubt Maul's legs are running around by themselves seeking vengeance. Number one, we've got two Jedi here who are joking. <laughs> like actually being humorous. They're not being stuck up snobs, which is great. Number two, that's very funny. And that's a very nice little nod and wink at the audience reading this going, yeah, 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 Maul's dead. I brought him back. Deal with it. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's something that we've all thought. How does it happen? Mm. But, um, you know, it doesn't. Uh, who cares? Yeah. First and foremost, who cares? It's a comic book. It's a comic book in the Star Wars universe. You can't really take this thing and, and be too worried about it. But it's very imaginative return for the character, and it's a, I think it's a very well-written story for the character. And also, I feel that comics are currently the natural home of Star Wars. I mean, Dark Horse have done some great books, uh, based yeah. around the Star Wars universe. Uh, I think it's far more successful than novels, and certainly far more successful than uh, a lot of the televised product will come out, with the exception of Gennady Tartakovsky's cartoon series, which I absolutely loved. Um, but this, I think, just the the breadth of imagery, the variety of alien creatures, the variety of worlds that we can put on a comic book panel as opposed to the cost of doing the same on film or on television. Mm. Um, it's just, it's it's a whole other league. So, yeah, uh, this is a great book. Uh, I'd also recommend to people who maybe a little concerned about getting back into Star Wars after a couple of years of disappointment, uh, John Ostrander's Agent of the Empire, 
also fantastic book. Very clever uh, takes on the Star Wars universe and introducing little notes that I think are quite entertaining and imaginative. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I will say that Tom Taylor has done some great work, and, and I'm a big fan of his, but uh, he's done some great wa- work on Star Wars. The last one, Boba Fett is Dead, was absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. as well. Just as good, and another iconic character who, uh, you know, that, that was the action figure that everybody wanted. I, I, I failed to mention that when The Phantom Menace came out, I was about 17 years old, and I was still buying the action figures, but anyway, that... that Let's gloss over that fact. But when I was a no kid, judgment here, Ryan. No judgment here. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was a kid, Boba Fett was the action figure that I always wanted. So having Tom Taylor work on both of those is quite a coup for Australian creators. But back to Darth Maul, the penciler on this, Bruno Redondo, uh, he's done a fantastic job. You know, and Dave Dorman on the cover. That cover yes. of issue one is. That's the epitome of Darth Maul, the epitome of evil. It's just, it's wonderful. I've actually been using it as my uh, as my Facebook banner <laughs> for quite a while. It's it's a really cool image. But the the script uh, once again allows Redondo to deliver some incredible set pieces. Number one, the scene in the diner from the opening with these alien bounty hunters and the detail of their faces. And you've got the little rodent alien who introduces us to the action. Mm-hmm. But then the other characters, there's such variety and it's such well, well drawn art here. Um, it's beautiful. But I think towards the end, we have a sequence which shows us Darth Maul and Savage Oppress in action mm-hmm. and the kind of thing that they can do now that they're off the leash. And they take on a whole army and it's actually brilliantly done. It's a, and once again, Redondo, nails it completely but the cleverness of it for me was the script where you have Maul explain to his brother while slaughtering all these soldiers having opened with this amazing uh, attack what the Sith are what are the Sith we fight in confusion we use fear we you know that Mm. to me just nails it whereas previously the Sith seem to me just the antagonist for the sake of being antagonist, where he's here we get a sense of why do they do what they do? How do they act the way they act? Why? There's this constant back and forth throughout the issue where Savage is questioning what they're doing and then Maul is saying, no, this is why we do it. This is how we do it. This is what we are meant to be. And that's brilliantly done. It really is. Um, I mean, we've got that. We've got some humour. You know, there was just one one small part with the rodent and yes. claiming claiming his bounty. You know, there, there was some really great giggles, but that scene in particular, it was very much, you know, something that you'd almost expect from a Kurosawa film yeah. where, uh, you know, you, you've got a, a samurai explaining the, the Bushido. I'm gushing a little bit, but this is a no. really cool book, especially for a Star Wars fan. Mm. But, but it, I think it's... I don't know, he nailed it. He really knocked it out of the park. Both Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. Yep. And as I said before, this is why I think comics are the natural home for Star Wars now. Because the scale of the sequences and the level of destruction and then the variety of spectacle is just perfectly suited with a comic book. And it's perfectly suited. It's a truer expression of the material than we've seen on film since the 1970s. Previously, we could put it down to budgetary reasons why they perhaps didn't nail it. Whereas nowadays, that really shouldn't be a factor anymore. It's just, a, you know, I don't want to get anyone in trouble here, but I, I feel there's a lack of imagination in some of the product coming out of Lucasfilm. Whereas Redondo and Taylor right here, I think they've 
done real due diligence and delivered something that's properly evocative of what we imagine Star Wars to be. Absolutely. So Star Wars Darth Maul Death Sentence number one is available in stores now. The best thing about that is that we've got another three to come. Yes, yes, indeed. Now, you wanted to uh, introduce the Six Myths, correct? I, I did, absolutely. The Six Myths, which I finally said correctly for the first time, <laughs> uh, by J. Mark Schmidt and Jason Franks. Now, this was co-written by uh, Schmidt and Franks, and I believe it was Schmidt that did uh, the art on this one. Now, Basically, the story about this, it's a middle-class family who just so happen to be Satanists, you know, a little bit like an Australian version of the Adams family. Mm. Now, Dad loses his job. The kids end up having to go to a public school, and uh, and the fun sort of starts from there. The the one thing from this book, there's, there's not a ton of dialogue, which is great. I feel as though they almost use silence to their advantage. I thought you were doing it right there. <laughs> I did. That was I, good. I, it wasn't on purpose. I just kind of lost my it's, train of it's, thought. It's almost, it's almost Pinterest. <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean, because uh, there's one thing I hate. It's comic books where the dialogue overflows the panel. And uh, like a key offender in this regard would be uh, Kevin Smith with some of his comic books. I mean, the, the, the words just tumble out. Whereas... The dialogue in Six Minutes, to me, particularly in the school sequences with the kids, Lilith and Kane, when they're in this public school, I loved I loved the bits in school. I thought they were brilliant because the adolescents spoke like teenagers speak, which is, you know, just stop-start sentences. And, and, it was, and not just the kids, but, um, I mean, the parents. It was, it was very natural. And uh, the fact that this is set in Melbourne... Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of little nods to uh, Australians, Australian schools, even, I mean, even the commerce of Australia. Dad loses his job because a bank in America has gone belly up. Yep. Uh, and that was something that we sort of saw with the GFC. It's overall, this is a very, very funny book. The art itself is very cartoony, mm-hmm. um, but it fits perfectly yep. with the actual story itself. What I love is how the so much of the behavior of this family is simply an inverse of what we would expect normal middle class behavior to be. So the when the wife goes to seek advice from the priest and then they have themselves a uh, wee little two person orgy, if that makes any sense, but they, they <laughs> indulge in a couple of extravagant sex acts while he's advising her. I thought that was just very funny. I love the bit when Kane is in a changing room and he takes off his shirt, and he's got this very elaborate chest tattoo, and the lads are like, oh my, wow, you're you're metal, you're totally metal, you're committed, you know. And he's like, oh, I feel like jazz. Yeah, and then there was the, the big, uh, they have a big debate over what's metal is. Guns N' Roses metal? No, Guns N' Roses isn't metal. Yeah, he wouldn't like that. He's hardcore. You know, they, they're, they're, they're putting words in his mouth, which, you know, because they're so excited to be with a cool kid. Hey man, and they were they were the exact same arguments that I had when I was in high school as well. That's not mm. metal. This is metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really like Lilith. I think Lilith is a wonderful character. I love how when the sort of aggressive boy is coming onto her and she just turns the tables on him. That's just beautiful scene. I loved it. Yeah, wonderfully dry. She's incredibly sardonic, and that 
is one thing about this book is that each of the characters are themselves and they're as much as they're a, a group of satanists in the middle of suburban melbourne they're believable if mm. that makes any sense you know they yep. they feel as though you sort of go well actually i work with a guy kind of like that mm. sure he's uh you know he's not defiling virgins over the uh photocopier well hopefully not but <laughs> that's such a great scene and it keeps, there's all these callbacks to it as well, which I love. It, it just it just keeps delivering. It, it's just a, it's such a shock when you turn the page, and then that sequence just keeps getting funnier as the book progresses. And I think, oh, that was actually one of the best parts of the book was that, um, you know, it, it almost sounded as though he was it was just a saying, you know, like the whole um, defiling a virgin over the photocopier, or uh, but then you turn the page and there it is. Yeah, 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 and and he's he's surprised when it doesn't work, when it doesn't actually fix the book up here. He's like, why didn't that work? <laughs> um, but this is a really, really funny book. Now, I'm not even too sure where you can get your hands on this because it's um. Well, it's, it's published by Slave Labor uh, Graphics. Yep. So um, that's that's your first start would be the website. But I do believe it is available in Kinukunia. I've seen it in Kinukunia in Sydney. And um, I think you can also find it in Kings here in Sydney too. But if you if you go on to Jason's website, uh, so that's Jason Franks. If you just Google Jason Franks, I'm sure that will give you enough breadcrumbs to find your own copies of the book. Yeah, absolutely. Now I can't I can't really stress enough how funny this book is, and I suppose just like the Adams family, they're normal people who just so happen to be a little bit monstery. How's that for a word? There you go, monstery. Yeah, I like that. You know, they're a little bit monstery. <laughs> they're creepy and they're, little... they're creepy. <laughs> That'll stop now. <laughs> they're a little bit creepy. They're, yeah. you know, they're, they're Satanists, but they're normal people at the end of the day. It, it just, for me, it's summed up with the phrase that um, the wife uh, says at one point, Anne is her name, sorry, the Dark Lord will provide. That just sums it up for me perfectly because it's so genteel and it's so staid and it, 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 it's rooted in that notion of middle class frustration and expectation of, oh, things will have to get better, but inverted because it's Satanism and it's a satanic outlook. For anyone out there, if, you're, if you've met any Satanist or familiar with modern day Satanists, this is not trendy Leveism. This is like a total piss take of the idea of the Christian uh, outlook of just Slightly skewed, and that's what I liked about it. Yes, slightly skewed. Hmm. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Really good book. Uh, Also worth noting is that uh, Jason Franks has also got the McBlack books as well, which are are great, but uh, I'll leave that for another day. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get back to Franks again another time. He he does some great work, and I I do like to support him. But yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, actually, Ryan, because uh, I was afraid it was just me. I love it. I love this book, and I'm glad to hear somebody else liked it too. No, it is really good. Now, um, the last that I'd heard, if you actually go to www.thesixsmiths.com, we've just got a a note down the bottom there that in 2012, Franks began working on a sequel, The Six Smiths Volume 2, which he's now producing with a team of artists. So, fingers crossed, we'll get some more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that could really work as well if there's a variety of artists on it as well. It sort of maybe gives more personality to the book. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see where it goes next. Absolutely. 
Very good. Okay, well, I think we've, we've just about run out of time. Next week, we're hoping to do a recording of, of some more Australian titles, and I know we've got a few folks we're looking to talk to, too. But we are going to be reading The List by Paul Bedford shortly. Uh, was there anything else, Brian, that we were going to get around to? No, I think that's about it. For anyone that's listening, I just want to say thanks for your support so far. It's been really yes. great. Uh, but also, if you're getting your downloads from iTunes, make sure that you leave us a comment, leave us a rating, let us know what we can do better. Uh, any constructive criticism would be much appreciated. Yes, very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a goer. And, of course, you can... You can comment on Ryan's website, geekofalls.com. Uh, he's hosting these podcasts there as well. And uh, drop him a line, let him know what you think. My website is themomosreport.blogspot.com.au. And you can drop me a line, let me know what you think. And that way we'll get a little bit of feedback on here. Excellent. Well, thanks again for your time. Thank you very much, Emmett. Congratulations again. Cheers. <laughs> I'd like to say go Australia at the Olympics, but uh, we're not <laughs> faring so well. So uh, I'm guessing that you're just going to revert back to the Irish thing for now until the Olympics are over. Man, the last time an Irish person did really well, it turns out she was on drugs. And she was from my town, so I'm still embarrassed about it. No, well, that doesn't matter. She did well. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> she did well taking those drugs. She did well there. <laughs> <laughs> that was good on her there now. All right, till next time, folks. All the best. See you later.